1: It is the middle of the financial meltdown of 2020. Exciting. What's on your mind?
0: Well, first of all, I'll just tell you that if if you hear um, shouting outside my window or construction, that's because a wonderful basketball court is being poured right outside my window in my home wow so that's that um the other thing that's on my mind is the world is we're, we're talking on uh, thursday march 12th 2020 and the world is quickly just shutting down every day there's new shutdowns so i i do a little ministry thing at my church which happened last night and there was a guy that wrote me an email yesterday saying, well, I won't be able to make it because my kid has a play. And then he showed up last night. I was like, what, what, what happened? He's like, well, they canceled the play. Wait a second. So I'm, I'm in Ohio and as of this minute, I know there's not a lot of testing going on, but there's four known cases of this virus in Ohio and they're shutting everything down. So our governor was part of the reason that the NBA shut down. And part of the reason for March Madness, because the four play-in games for March Madness happen in Dayton and somewhere else in Ohio. And the governor said, well, we're just going to start shutting stuff down because that's responsible. Anyways, so within the last half an hour, it has been made known to me that our church, which has like, I don't know, 10 or 12 sites, they're all closing down. Not only will we not have weekend services, you, you won't be able to just walk into our open atriums. You We can have any meetings at any church uh, site of any size um, for the known future. So they certainly are within their rights to make that decision, but good golly. So anyways, I, I run this ministry thing and I'm right now I'm thinking how do we uh start organizing um a network of houses that we can continue to meet in because we should continue to meet. Anyways, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Thursday, one thirty PM.
1: Yeah, well, I think we'd be remiss to carry on with the planned schedule today and talk about smartphones and close that out. I think it makes because sense. Because
0: smartphones will be our only tether to uh, the the wider world. So we need to praise smartphones right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not totally convinced that this won't be a, H- hear me, hear me very carefully here. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm saying, this might be an interesting moment of reset for a lot of families that are listening to this as we get to taste homeschooling and we get to taste uh, long stretches of time where we're reliant only on the things inside our walls to entertain us and, and sustain us as it's a family, family unit. Uh, I'm not saying I'm happy that coronavirus is here and I'm particularly hoping that it holds off for a few more days so I can get something rather important done on Monday. Before they make me stay home, but I want to talk, you know, sometimes we get, we get going on the things that you and I are most excited about, which I think is the, the running and the vision of a well-ordered home. And we forget that a lot of people that come to this podcast came because they heard that we are a source of thought and advice when it comes to money. and. If there's ever a time to at least
0: (laughs) give people some guidance,
1: touch on what's happening and what we think is going on, it seems like the time might be now when we've just uh, experienced the biggest single-day stock market drop since 1987. Right. So, how are you feeling, Stephen? You're kind of the the everyman when it comes to. You know, I spend all day pouring through stuff, but you don't. So how are you feeling about the financial markets right now?
0: I don't feel anything. Um, The markets, I mean, to me, it's sort of like a TV show. I know that the more severe they are, whether they jump up or jump down, I know that's going to make for a good episode of today's TV show uh, because there's more drama and everybody will be screaming about something. So when they jump way up, then I always think, "Oh, neat! What I've what I've got in the market has increased in value." And when they shoot way down, I think, "Oh, neat! Um, it would be a good time to buy things."
1: So yeah, and I want to talk about that in a little bit because I've heard there's a lot of people on Twitter that are kind of uh, braggadociously talking about how, yeah, the market's down. This is when I buy folks. And I just, I'm not opposed to that, especially I think this is a moment when somebody who has failed to deploy their long-term money should go uh, make sure that they are following the plan that they've created for their money. But if you're, going and borrowing or even just diverting money that's not meant for a 20 year time horizon into the stock market right now mm-hmm. you're a mark. you're a market timer just like people who are panic selling and that's easily lost but i've i've talked to a few financial bloggers that i'm connected to and they've been talking about how it's time to buy and i i just don't think that's right i think that the solution and the reason that people sleep well when things go completely haywire like this is because you know there's a long-term plan and as a financial planner it's been really interesting because my my plans often have an illustration of based on all the data we have this is what we would expect you know if we have you invested 75% in stocks and 25% in bonds we expect that once every 10 or 20 years, we're going to have a year where we lose 30% in one year. And And right now,
0: does that a magical number
1: 30%? Well, it depends on the mix of stocks and bonds. So somebody who, somebody who's going to be retiring in two years, we would never put them into that much stocks because it could be next year, the year before they plan to retire, right. That they're going to have that type of, of drop, so we would be more uh, heavily weighted towards less volatile assets. Fixed income,
0: that's how sophisticated I am, I know that phrase.
1: (laughs) You know more than you let on, Uh, I know, because I know how much you've been studying. But um, that's, people kind of go, yeah, 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 I know, this could lose money, I, I understand, you're covering your butt. But I'm not covering my butt, I'm telling you that when it happens, uh i want you to be completely sort of like oh this is the thing that mark said was going to happen and we don't need to wring our hands and say are we gonna die broke now because we expected this so yeah it's kind of a a moment of of truth for a lot of people that they realize Initially, maybe, oh my gosh, he wasn't joking. We can lose money in the stock market. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast who haven't ever been adults in a period where we lost a lot of money in the stock market. Um, But it's happened at least three times during you and I's uh, lifespan that we've seen drops of similar magnitude to the one we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, I, I have a horror story I'd like to share in 2008 go um the market started going down um my wife and i were classic uh, financially illiterate people who just saw the value of our money going down and we went to our our financial advisor that was the that was the name that was his job title—that's what was on his business card—but he wasn't an advisor to us. He—he's a guy that we paid money to uh, to put our to put our money in whatever uh, container made money for him. Uh. Um, so he he kind of hemmed and hawed and said something about, well, you know, we don't—I don't, don't know—I don't know if I'm really advise that right now and I was thinking we've never advised us before so we're good so we pulled our money out of the market when it was way way down and then over the next what was it two years it increased by 40 percent or something and we of course we missed all of that because we were frightened and jittery um so I I, the one thing that I really hope for friends who are, I mean, I don't, I'm happy to say, I don't know what the news is saying. I don't know what the world is saying as far as screaming and mania, but I just hope that people understand what you are saying, which is something you've been saying as long as we've talked about money, which is investment is a long-term strategy. You, if you give money monthly to investing, you would give it this month as well. And the next month you would give it then as well and that this downturn, you'll just shrug your shoulders and go, this is part of the deal. We know that in the long term, we'll regain this and more. So so don't act rashly.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell a horror story and then offer a couple of pieces of explanation for everybody who's probably reading the news. Uh, I've got the ticker up on my desk. This day is I mean it's pretty unprecedented in terms of the raw numbers of declines that we're seeing Um, and so I think it's worth kind of exploring what's happening why do you say unprecedented unpack that um, well mostly because the stock market is bigger as a raw number today than it was okay. in 2008 or 1987 or 2004. So
0: 2001. if it falls by similar percentages, it's just going to be
1: more. That being said, the percentages are substantial right now. So it's not like I'm hand-waving this like I did two weeks ago when we saw our first 1,000-point drop. Um, so it's a big deal. Uh, it, But it's not <laughs> – you know, headlines want to say biggest drop in stock market history. Well, this isn't the Great Depression. um, And we can probably get there eventually in this conversation. But I don't think we're looking at fundamental changes to the global economy that should make us go, what was a good investment two months ago is now hopeless and never going to grow again. Um, Which tells me there's something else going on here. This is this is panic and not uh, and not fundamental analysis that has changed the long-term valuation of the stock market. So I've told you this, but in 2008, I was on the equity desk at Freddie Mac and my job was to talk to everyone who owned stock. In What's company. Freddie Mac? What's Freddie Mac? Freddie Mac is in a, very boiled down nutshell one of the two big public companies that makes mortgage lending possible by buying and selling mortgages uh, and packaging them packaging them up for investors in America so back in 2008 when the financial crisis was happening I was working there and I was talking to people who had invested in this company and they were understandably panicked whether it was a you know grandma in Florida or a big institutional money manager in New York. They all wanted to know what's going on with the company. Um, so I have unexpected experience in talking to people in the middle of, of financial crisis. And I think that one thing I, I took away from that is that the whole economy got way overextended in 2007, 2008 and we really reaped the benefits and we we kind of fell asleep into this mode where everything's just always going up that's what happened in the mortgage crisis houses just kept getting more and more valuable so if you bought one you couldn't afford no big deal just sell it um i don't think it's impossible that we've kind of entered a similar moment with the stock market in the past 10 years going up 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 since really that last big shock that we had and I was victim to that too, back in 08. I mean, you talk about financial disaster. I lost a six figure amount as a 25, 26 year old. Are uh, you serious? In, in one day. So
0: you were a saving machine then.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was working in finance and I was being compensated with equity partly. So this, it wasn't money I had stuck into a savings account. It was, uh, it was <laughs> compensation that I sort of Wrongly had assumed that's my money, and then suddenly my company went from being sixty dollars a share to less than a penny a share in twenty-four hours. It was bizarre. So everything I had went to zero, and I remember Amelia and I sold it when it got back to a hundred dollars for the total account. Um, and this was a six-figure, like I said, <laughs> amount of money. So we said, let's go, let's go eat dinner on my wow. annual my multiple years worth of stock bonus. So. Good gracious. Um, but whether that's me assuming that the things are just going to keep going up, 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 or people who are buying houses irresponsibly or today people who are taking money that they're going to need in three years for a home down payment, or maybe they're even getting close to retirement and they're sticking it in the stock market. Cause Hey, it's been great. Donald Trump says it's going to keep going up, whatever it is. Those are all ignoring, uh, the, the facts of what happens in the stock market. Um, which is that you get paid because things like this happen, you get paid over long periods of time, more than 10 years to stick in the stock market and you should only be willing to take that extra payment for that extra risk if you have 10, 20, 30 years to ride out the huge bumps that we are going to face. And that's what's happening right now.
0: So so should people do nothing?
1: Well... A few things. Somebody told me, a financial advisor friend of mine the other day said, the best thing you can do for your clients right now is not answer the phone. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a joke, but it's kind of, uh, it, there's wisdom there. Because yeah, I see the point. A lot of people, just like you said you did, they want to call and sell. And if we can help people kind of understand the implications of that, uh, it's a good thing. You know, Timing the market, we talked about it earlier. Even if you could have yesterday said, I know that it's going to be a 10% decline tomorrow, um, and you sold, you have to time the market correctly twice in order to skip out on losses. You don't just have to time it and say, I knew that it was going to go down tomorrow, so I sold. You also have to know when to get back in, because as we've seen in the last two weeks, any little bit of news can pop this thing and we could gain 20% in a day. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. And that's why most of the time people who just ride out these tumultuous markets end up way ahead in the long run because they didn't try to guess correctly twice in a row. You know, even if it's a coin flip, you're looking at a 25% chance of being right. And nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. Um, So, yeah, that's not financial advice saying you should stay in the market or you should sell. It's just generally you come out ahead through times like this by sticking with the plan you've created.
0: Gotcha. So what about people who don't really have a plan?
1: Well, that's what I wanted to talk about because... Most of our listeners are not sitting on multi-million dollar investment portfolios, wringing their hands. They're maybe just getting started with some investing. Maybe they have a 401k and it's not that stressful to see it go down 10% because that's only $500. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think this is a time to think really hard about a few of the actually most critical pieces of a good financial plan. And, Piece number one, maybe, you know, you could argue that life insurance is really important if you have kids and things like that. But one of the fundamental pieces of a good financial plan is having adequate cash reserves or an emergency fund, we call it. Um, and this is a great moment to sort of think about that. You know, a lot of businesses are closing or taking a break. Uh, I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast who are going to miss a paycheck or two. and. I'm hopeful that it's just that and that's all it is but you know if you only have that investment account with 20 or 30 or 40 grand in it and you've got $2000 in the emergency fund but your family spends $4000 a month well you're going to have to bite the bullet and sell some of the the investments that you planned on having for the long term even if you aren't one of these panickers because you don't have an adequate fund to kind of allow you to ride out the bumps. So an emergency fund is really important. And this is a moment where people who maybe previously heard me talk about three to six months. And so I think I can get by with one and maybe someday I'll get to three. And now folks are going, Oh, I I get it. Maybe six months makes sense uh, of money that I can get to where I don't have to go raid my, my long-term plan and really cripple it because I had to get some cash.
0: Yeah, we've got, we're kind of in a interesting situation. As you know, we, we had some cash stored up. We, we chop off, uh, our profits at the end of the year and then we put them to work and then just keep building throughout the year so we still are sitting on last year's profits so we've got a little chunk of cash that we were going to put into the market and we're going to then then rates started dropping which made my eyes get big and think oh the market's dropping oh well we can buy more with this same amount of money um and suddenly we've now turned a corner where well we're we're an event planning company so all we do for a living is gather large numbers of people together um in ways that are usually celebrations they're not usually necessary i mean it could be a sales conference or something that's not totally necessary and it's the first thing that that huge corporations will cut is Well, we don't have to have big gatherings. Let's just keep making our widgets. And so suddenly that money, we're thinking, uh, maybe that money is our income for this year. And so we're in a, we're in a sticky spot going, well, I would like to capture whatever's happening with the market, but now we think we're going to need this money to live on. So I wonder how many people are in that position where they've got some cash and they're kind of going, well, do I, use it to live on or do i put it into the market
1: yeah and that's where i think everyone's situation is going to be pretty different i mean sure if you work as my wife does in the medical complex then you probably have a lot of job security right now like we we don't expect those paychecks to stop unless this thing takes a real different turn and then we're dealing with a totally different bag of cats but um i think that what you're saying makes perfect sense you know when this first started i said to you hey this is a great chance to get back on track and i'm not advocating timing the market and waiting for it to dip like this but it did dip and if you know that hey we we meant to have x percent of our money in long-term investments and we just haven't gotten around to it well this is a great time to go for it that being said if you've dragged your feet this far it might be prudent Uh, not because you're waiting for the market to go down so you can get that money in at an even better price but because you're saying that emergency fund now is going to be not six months it's going to be 18 months yeah um and I think that's totally prudent. And then maybe it's just the Lord's provision for you guys that um, that He's going to redeem some choices that for the last couple of years have looked kind of not great as you think about having money on the sidelines through all this growth. Um, you know, I, we're not out here saying we can outscheme the Lord's provisions for us and i don't doubt for a second that maybe you guys just had this money because you were going to need it and that's what it's for so yeah awesome but what if you what if you can't kind of even fathom six months of family operations and you don't have a bunch of investments uh what are you supposed to do in light of this shock to our economic system I I have an idea but I'm curious what you think
0: my only reaction would be um, tighten your belts Um, because the, the president gave an address last night and said something about they're gonna do some kind of loan program for small businesses that are in the service industry which describes us but I don't really want to borrow money and certainly not from the government. Um, But the point is like, if air travel gets clamped down, I mean that that'll really freeze the economy in a lot of ways and people who don't, don't even think of themselves as being dependent on transportation or anything everything's just going to recede. I mean, things are just going to squeeze. So, Anyways, that's the only thing that comes to my mind is (laughs) it's Lodo March, everybody.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what I wrote down here. Lodo Feb just got an extension. And, (laughs) you know, we talk about it every year when we talk about Lodo Feb. And we say, this is a chance to understand that if you really had to, you could suck it in. Uh, And so this isn't the Lodo Feb retrospective I wanted to do. <laughs> but tell me about your Lodo Feb, Stephen.
0: <laughs> well, um Lodo Feb was uh interesting around here. We how can I say this quickly? We help we helped our friends put on a, a celebration. Me and my wife and I did it as as friends and volunteers. And they are friends that know about Lodo Feb. And so they to our surprise um handed handed over gift cards for eating out for skyline chili which is an important part of our family um and grocery I think they gave us two hundred dollars of grocery cards or something like that. Well that's that's like uh that's a whole month's budget. We we did two hundred dollars one Loto Feb. So anyways um I was gone quite a bit. I think I was gone about a week and a half um, of the month. My wife was gone. And so when we're gone, you know, we're on the company dime uh, when we're traveling for work. And so there was that much less to spend around here um, that needed to be spent. So we did quite well. Um, I don't have totals in front of me, but we, yeah, we, we killed it. How about you?
1: Well, I don't have the total total either, but we did spend $156 total on groceries. What? Which felt pretty cool for our family.
0: Holy moly. That's incredible.
1: Our usual is an $800 a month grocery budget. So that was a huge cut. And wow. And I said going in, if you guys remember the uh, podcast so we no, did,
0: no plank salmon
1: going in, yeah, that we didn't have a huge reserve going into this one, so that felt fun um
0: how did you How did you do that so successfully?
1: A lot of thinking about i told we talked about some of the reserves that we had. Um, somebody brought by an Oryx for us which was fun to eat it's like a hooved uh antelope type animal and we got they just gave
0: you an entire
1: not an entire one but a uh, a fairly sizable portion of wild game that we got to eat Um,
0: was it ground or how'd they give it to you yeah yeah
1: we just got the ground we we still we didn't even get to our elk loin which is sitting in my freezer so gee whiz there's there's a lot in my freezer and now because i went out yesterday just in case and
0: you could do the loin for uh when you do uh purim tomorrow night
1: tomorrow night you're late bro <laughs> i thought you
0: said you were doing it for shabbat
1: no i think that's what you said or oh. maybe jeff
0: oh okay you did it you did it monday night yes i see Okay, you were gonna tell me another part of this animal you are excited about.
1: No, I just think we, so we ate some of the wild game. We had more in the freezer than I expected. We managed to sneak out some free meals here and there. Uh, I told you that Amelia had been sick and we had been given like 30 frozen crock pot meals. And so really, Easily we could have lived a full, a full year. Um, sorry.
0: A full month with no groceries.
1: If we had to, no doubt. I'm sure. Really? Almost, I'm sure almost everybody listening to this could have, could go and survive for a month on yeah. in their house. right yeah. Um,
0: but we like milk. We like fresh milk.
1: Yeah. So milk's four bucks for two gallons at Costco. Um, we bought vegetables once a week, uh, vegetables and fruit. So I think my average Costco bill was about $40. I had some Costco gift cards, too, nice. so that helped. So I don't know what I spent, including the gift cards, but it was a lean month, and it didn't feel, we didn't feel like it was very hard. So going into the next few months, if I was looking at maybe no income for the next three or four months, I think I would feel like it's just going to continue being Lodo Feb. Yeah. I had an exogenous shock at the beginning of my Lodo because my transmission...
0: Exogenous?
1: Yeah. It started... The Are you going to tease me about my vocabulary now?
0: No, I loved it. Okay.
1: Uh, the transmission in my Subaru started slipping. And this is the Subaru that you might recall from previous episodes has no working AC. And I just got sick to my stomach because I was thinking, all in, we're looking at like $4,000 to get this car back to perfect. And I don't want that. Well, long story short, the dealer gave me more than Blue Book value for my car despite its flaws and handed me a Toyota with 19,000 miles on it for no money down (laughs) because of the value of my car. And... I just paid that loan off after LodoFeb was over. So I started LodoFeb at a bit of a deficit when it comes to not spending. I'll say you did.
0: 19,000 miles. You got yourself a new car.
1: Pretty much. Yep.
0: Wow. Fancy. And how do you feel? How do you feel about the, the, the wallet wagon?
1: Uh, I love it. You know, I, I feel like I bought a car that's probably one of the most reliable vehicles you can purchase. You know this, you're the owner of a Toyota truck as well. Yes. And they regularly make it to 400,000 miles.
0: Okay.
1: So anyways, I think that I think that using the, the skills that you might have begun to sharpen at LodoFab is a yes. great is a great way to respond to this moment when we aren't sure what's going to happen next. I personally don't believe that we're going to be uh, all holed up in our bunkers six months from now, but I also I don't know what's going to happen. It could be extended. Uh, extended modifications to our lives or it might blow over in six weeks. Uh, either way, I want our listeners to be prepared by not taking dramatic and injurious actions to their investments for the long term. You know, if you've got a plan, stick with it. But be remembering that we have some skills as family uh, Asset, I don't know what I want to say there.
0: Managers, stewarders.
1: Yeah, that we have some skills as stewards and managers of the resources the Lord's given us and that we can look at what's happening around us and go, now is the time to change the way I'm stewarding for a few weeks or months. Um, and I think that would be a fantastic thing for, for our people to do. Stephen, tell me what, what your time with the Lord looks like right now if it looks any different when things start going crazy in the world? Well, that's a great question. First, I just want to tie that off by saying,
0: I know you're armchair quarterbacking. Give, give Give us an educated guess of how long we might, should be prepared to tighten belts.
1: Well, I'll say this that I think you should be prepared to tighten belts for 6 months at all times, always. And if you have extra resources right now because of this exogenous shock, yeah. I think I think it would make sense to add to that timeline. So, could you without harpooning your long-term plans, like don't go cash out the 401k, could you find ways to just gradually build that reserve? You know, if you are a person who's been sort of furloughed right now, that might be a just hard. No, you can't and that's okay. That's why you have built an emergency fund in the first place. But if you're in the healthcare industry and you're still being paid and well, maybe you take our advice and say, we're going to load OFEBA and we're going to push our, six month, or even maybe we only had two months, we're going to push that to four of, of resources. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Does that feel like I just dodged your question adequately? No,
0: no, I heard six months, which I think is, that's a good brain space to be in and just go, just think six months. And we will certainly, we will certainly have reached some kind of equilibrium in six months, one way or the other. That's I think right. that's I think it's fair to say that to people otherwise I mean one of the beauties of lodo feb is that march 1 is coming and so it, it can be really disheartening and really hard for people to adjust their standard of living if you just go we'll just do it from now indefinitely that's not that's not very feasible so if you say 6 months okay I can get my head around you know not making major purchases and upgrades to my life except for new basketball court in the next 6 months um etc um let, let me answer that other question now um it's it's funny because the class that i taught last night which dominates my world and spiritual life is a class on revival so i'm i'm teaching a class about revival right now and if you look at the the great awakenings that have happened in modern revivals, modern means since since about the 1750s, um, times of moral darkness and upheaval, such as social or political upheaval, they are necessary ingredients to the onset of revival. So they're not sufficient in themselves, because we have to have people who will pray and repent. But um, it is fertile ground for God moving in a powerful way. So, <laughs> curiously, what needs to happen is for God's people to disconnect themselves with the world. That's a really important step for us. So. If you, if, you listen, if you came listening to this out of curiosity, I don't blame you. I'm a little curious. My, my, my eyebrows are arched at everything that's happening right now. I'm, I'm wide awake and curious. But if you came out of some maniacal fear that's just gripping you and the screaming voices are g- surrounding you and tightening the noose around your neck, listen, The first thing you need to do is unplug yourself from social media. Then you need to turn off your television and you need to calm it down because we cannot be as connected. We cannot be fully connected with the world. We cannot be singing the same song that the world is singing and imbibing in culture in the same way that lost people are. And, and be walking with the Lord it's just impossible and times like these point that up they, they point up where, where our sensitivities lie and if our sensitivities lie with the market more than with the spirit of God, you're going nuts right now. If your sensitivities lie with the fear-based media more than they are with the spirit of God, you're going nuts right now and if if you find yourself addled, let me just encourage you. It's just a pulse check for you that you, you are hooked in to a machine that was not designed to save you. And so we, we have to be disconnected from the world. So like something we're doing with our class right now is this sounds crazy. It's, it's almost like silly that this is an actual exercise that somebody would do, but because it's what we should be doing all the time, but we're making it a very specific exercise. Um, Remove yourself from all sin. How about that? So don't watch any television show that represents sin at all. It. I mean, I listen to uh, sports podcasts, and I, I was curious, what are they saying about, at the time, it was, there's going to be no, no um, fans in the NBA games. So I was sort of listening to that, huh. Sure enough, these guys start cursing on this podcast well it's got to be turned off i'm not letting in that any of that to my ears you're listening to music i i was flipping through the radio and just heard some it was the, the most like innocuous song do you remember um somebody that i used to know that gautier sang a couple of years ago yep well that came on the radio i was like oh i kind of like this song And then I just felt like the Lord said, I don't like the way this guy and this girl are speaking to one another. I don't don't like this. There's there's an edge to this I don't like. Okay, turn it off. So, like, remove sin from your world. Stop watching sexualized and violent shows. Remove it from your world. And and re-engage in being sensitive to God. Because... Where, where we're going, and I don't know that it's happening this month or this year, but I do know the larger story of history, is that where we're going, where society is going and the story of history is going, um, God is, wants to use his people, which are separated from the society in their lifestyle, in their beliefs, their values, their emotions. He wants to use them to save the world that's going to go nuts in times like these if that little red line on the stock ticker continues to go down and it trends past 20,000 and then 15,000, if it's when it starts doing that, and if it starts doing that, what's going to start being publicized is the suicides on television. That that's what's, that'll be making the news because people will have lost hope for their lives. If, if, if the economy slows down, Oh, People go crazy. This, this will be the time when God's people, who are tethered into a different source of life, will have something to bring to those people. So that's a long answer, but my, my mind is on, my mind's on revival. So that's what I'm praying for right now. I, I find it fascinating that we are in the middle of um, mm, dramatic political times. Um, That we're in an election year, everybody's wrought up about it, Um, that we're in wrought up financial times, we're in just a a moral morass right now as far as what what our society approves of and who we are as a people. So it's a real good time for us to disconnect from that being our source of life and meaning and reconnect with the lord and just pray god we want we want your judgments and what i when i say that i don't mean i want him to judge everybody with wrath and put a big old x on us and destroy us when i when i say that we love god's judgments psalm 19 says the judgments of the lord are pure and altogether righteous they are more to be desired than honey from the honeycomb because by them Your servants are warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. And so when God judges something, don't think of him as pointing a mad finger from heaven. Think of him as lowering a gavel. Bam. And he he declares whether something is evil or something is good. That's his judgment. So when he makes this judgment, bam, Um, your sexual practices are evil. Bam. He lowers when he lowers the gavel. We love that. We want him to judge and to tell us what's right and wrong, because he saves us and warns us when he does that. So, that's where my head at. I I want him. I I want. I want his mercy to come on our society, which is so godless, and I want his people to be cleaned up and to tether themselves to him.
1: I I dig it. I think that's. that's the medicine for, for the moment for me, even just on a personal level. It's not so much getting wound up by social media as it is sitting in bed. And I told you I've got something really important coming up on Monday. That's 50 50, whether I'll get to do it. And it's literally the only thing I've been working on for the past eight weeks. Um, and it's really easy for me to just get wound up. Oh, refresh, refresh, refresh on the page to <laughs> see if they've like closed the, yeah. the place I'm going to take this test. And uh that's death. Yes, <laughs> so it is. I've been I've been repenting about every 15 minutes here in in Abraham's Wallet, Utah headquarters. Great. And if you guys are hearing this and going, you know, I've also been leading my family towards anxiety and towards fear. Jeremy Pryor put up just a little two-minute Instagram video yesterday that just blessed, my, blessed me a lot. Huh. Talking about as fathers, we are to lead our family first spiritually and then emotionally and then physically. So it's kind of how are you going to prepare your family to be spiritually um, ready to weather whatever storm is coming here? How are you going to lead them in terms of the emotional preparedness? You know, our kids, they're hearing like something big is happening. How am I going to lead them? And then lastly, yes, I went to Costco yesterday and filled my freezer just in case we need to stay home. I'm not saying you know that we should ignore the the warning signs and be physically unprepared for whatever is coming next so yeah i thought that was important i have a guy who's been mentoring me here in in utah who owns restaurants and has a ton of employees and right now in seattle restaurants are down 50% year over year Ooh. in terms of their income and this guy was kind of telling me you know first first blush my reaction was okay I'm looking at my bank account and saying that's okay I've got a lot of reserves I can weather a big and then he said my wife came to me and said we're believers with 160 employees and this is the moment where we step up and say we're taking care of you because this is a house that is capable of sheltering and protecting more than just you know the the six people under our roof. Wow! Um, and I thought, man, that's pretty cool. And that's a moment for us as the big C church to step up and say, this is why we didn't just jettison all our money. The second we got it, we're going to be the protector, the man of peace, and it's going to be a mechanism through which the gospel gets shared. Um, first inside the family, And then into the circles where we have influence and ability to to protect and take care of folks. Yeah. So I don't know, Stephen, what's your thoughts? Does this episode need to be released post haste or do we wait until usual Wednesday?
0: No, I think if we can get it out tomorrow, that would be great. I think I can
1: get it out in the next hour.
0: Oh, do it. Yeah, I would do it.
1: Well, guys, stay strong out there. If you're worried, try a little repentance and we just bless you and your households with more financial security than what you see happening around you and with trust in the Lord that sustains you through, through this moment of uncertainty.
0: That's right, amigos. Bless you. Hang in there. The Lord hasn't changed. This is a good proof that society is unstable it's not worth putting your life, betting your life on. You, you dig your nose into the word. You get your family into the word. And look if you need to, look up passages on fear and read that over your family and read over God's faithfulness and see the fact that he'll sustain us through anything. So bless you guys and all that. For Abraham's Wallet, I'm Stephen Manuel.
1: And I'm Mark Barrett. Catch you later.